asking for help is one of the bravest things that you can do, not just for yourself, but for your baby and for your family. Hello and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian in New Haven, Connecticut. I hope you're all doing well. I can't believe that it's going to be July this week. Um, I don't really know where June went. I didn't put out a podcast two weeks ago because things are wild on my end and I don't know, but uh, here we are. <laughs> We're getting back on track. Uh, it's been a crazy year and I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. Um, but to make life even crazier, I want to tell all you listeners that my husband and I are officially expecting a baby. Um, I am 21 weeks pregnant now. Uh, so that feels weird to say. Um, but yeah, I'm 21 weeks pregnant as of Tuesday. And I'm very excited. Um, the baby is due in November. And I'm sure you hear you will hear tons about it um, in the weeks to come. But today we are having a special episode really based off sort of what I was going through in my first um, few months of being pregnant. A lot of the fears and anxieties um, that all came back from, um, you know, being someone who who had bulimia for, you know, six or so years and now um, has been recovered for more than two years or at least in recovery, <laughs> uh, in remission, I feel like. And um, and it, it really, you know, I, I don't know what I expected. I knew I was worried about being pregnant um, and the possibility of morning sickness and the idea of having to gain weight and all these things. But I thought like, oh, I'm I've been recovered for a while and things are good and I'm super confident and happy and um, I learned so much in recovery that this will be fine. And I just want to say like, it's not easy. And um, it was it was really hard. I had some really hard weeks, uh, especially when, you know, I first started getting bad morning sickness and vomiting. And um, I, I was so worried I'd never made myself throw up. Um, I just said that wrong. <laughs> I'd never thrown up without making myself throw up in like my memory. I'm sure when I was little it had happened, but I've never in, you know, the last 10 or so years um, thrown up if it wasn't, you know, because of Ed. So throwing up um, and it not being because of Ed was actually super confusing. And I like, I struggled a lot with, you know, am I making myself do this or is this happening just because, you know, hormones, <laughs> which is the answer to everything in pregnancy I'm learning. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I I struggled with that a lot and I wanted, you know, resources. I wanted to find something to read, someone to talk to who had gone through this before, who would speak about pregnancy in a, a more honest way. I felt like everything I had seen or heard from someone was you know, that pregnancy was their cure-all. Like suddenly when they got pregnant, their body was, you know, this amazing thing and um, they were so, you know, happy and wanted to do everything for the baby that they forgot about their eating disorder. And I'm sure it's, it wasn't that simple as any of them made it sound. And if it was for anyone, I'm so happy for them. But that was not 
my experience and I honestly couldn't find anything that was written in like that open way. Like everything I saw, I know I'm just rambling, but (laughs) we're not doing the special article today because we're doing Julia (laughs) talk about her pregnancy. Um, But it's everything I saw was just, you know, either they had a miscarriage because they couldn't control their eating disorder or magically, you know, they didn't have any problems. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I certainly haven't had a miscarriage. Very happy about that. Um, feel very lucky about that. But I have struggled to gain weight. I have, you know, struggled to eat more. I've had a really hard time with the morning sickness. And, you know, overall, like terrified of my body changing. And these are all things that I talk about every day. It's like, we need to accept these and we need to be okay with it. And I work with clients daily on making those changes and to find it so hard in myself when I am, you know, pregnant and, you know, happy, (laughs) happy to be expecting a baby girl. Um, I, I, it's been really hard. So, so this episode is born out of all of those frustrations, out of those, you know, desires for some honest discussion about what pregnancy after or during an eating disorder is really like. And I hope you enjoy it. I am so, so thankful to Crystal Cargis. She is a registered dietitian and she specializes in women and maternal care. Um, and she is amazing. I learned so much and just had a great time. It was very therapeutic (laughs) speaking to her. So I hope you feel that. I hope you learned something. I really want you to join in this dialogue. If you're someone who's gone through this or going through this or worried about pregnancy because you have an eating disorder, reach out to me. The next few months are going to include a lot of this because that's where I'm at. Um, So thank you for being patient with me this spring as I have struggled with this, as I have produced less for Life With Ed, but trust me, I'm back. I am working on this and I have so much to say because let me tell you, Ed Ed isn't, you know, going away as I had hoped. Um, So we're in this together and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, It's really, you know, one of my favorites. So enjoy. Uh, If you do enjoy it, (laughs) I think I said enjoy like four times there. But if you do enjoy it, please leave a review, a rating, um, you know, tell your friends about it, subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you want to add your own, you know, story about pregnancy, send me an email at worth, W-E-R-T-H, your while nutrition at gmail.com. And here we go. Thanks for that announcement. Um, Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And this is exciting. This is the first show we're really doing um, about pregnancy. I had one show earlier about uh, maternal nutrition and pregnancy nutrition, but we didn't talk too much about um, what it's actually like to be pregnant with an eating disorder or any mental health concerns. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you're shedding light on this topic because I think it's so important and a lot of women are dealing with this in some aspect but it's just not talked about very often so I just really appreciate you you know willing to have this conversation yeah yeah so tell me how did you first get started working in maternal health and specifically pregnancy yeah I appreciate you asking the question so really I would say my kind of 
career trajectory was shaped by my own experiences. Um, I am a mother of five children, and I also am an eating disorder recovery myself. So I struggled with an eating disorder through my late teens and early 20s. And I'm so thankful that I was able to connect with the resources and, and support that I needed to find recovery. And, you know, I was pretty well into my recovery before I was pregnant with my first child, but going through pregnancy was just like, I mean, it was like walking through a minefield. And that's like how I can describe it, where there was so many unexpected things that came up during the course of my pregnancy that I, I just felt completely blindsided by. I had no idea that, uh, you know, I was about to encounter all these different things. And so it really challenged my recovery in a lot of different aspects. And thankfully, you know, I was able to sustain my recovery through my pregnancies, but it just really opened my eyes to what women are going through um, during pregnancy and postpartum. And now with the task of feeding children and raising children, which is a whole other ball game in itself. Yeah. But I just really, you know, became so passionate about supporting moms through this area that I just felt like there weren't enough resources in or, or for. I feel like a lot of moms are walking through this crucial season of their life and kind of white knuckling it, so to mm -hmm. say, because there's just a lot, a lack of support. I think there's, we're doing a better job in terms of increasing awareness, but I just think there's so many things that um, there's still a lot of gaps in, especially with maternal mental health. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm also a survivor of postpartum depression. And, you know, research does show that women who have eating disorders at any point in their life, even if it's earlier in adolescence, and then become pregnant and have children are at a higher risk of experiencing depression up to 18 years after the birth of their child. And I feel like nobody talks about that, you know, and I like walked into pregnancy and had no idea that I was at an increased risk of postpartum depression simply because of my eating disorder history. And so, um, you know, I'm just so passionate about helping moms connect with this information and resources. And, you know, I just feel like pregnancy in eating disorder recovery is a whole new ball game. And there's a lot of different stressors involved. And I just think it's important that moms understand um, kind of risk factors and just, just feel empowered to maintain the recovery, you know, throughout these different seasons of motherhood. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned like the lack of resources. And that's like one reason that I wanted to record this podcast, because despite the fact that I, I literally work in the field of eating disorders and, you know, have had an eating disorder myself, gone through recovery, I had no idea, like no one ever talked about pregnancy or eating disorders like past the point of, oh, if you're a teenager or a young adult or then like an older adult, like it somehow it skips the motherhood uh, or fatherhood phase. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the resources that are out there, like I, when I found out I was pregnant, I got, you know, kind of overwhelmed. Um, sort of what you're saying, like, it, it's like, oh my gosh, all of these things coming back up again, like I might vomit or I might like right. gain weight, all this stuff. And the the resources that are given to most women, like the expect the bet or the, what is it called? What to expect when you're expecting yes. all those books. <laughs> they like don't, it's like, they don't address it. The book says, you know, women with an eating disorder are at higher risk for miscarriage 
all right, good luck. Uh, <laughs> like that's it. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So what what should women who have a history of eating disorder or disordered eating really prepare for when they find out they're pregnant or when they're trying to get pregnant? Yeah, this is such a great question, Julia. And I, you know, and I totally agree with you. I think the majority of the resources that are out there are very weight centric. Right? Yeah. And I think yeah. in general, our prenatal care system in the United States, I know it's different in other countries, but particularly here is very weight centric. And I remember that being one thing that I was so blindsided by. Like yeah. I had gotten to a point in my recovery where I wasn't weighing myself, you know, I wasn't right. looking at my weight. <laughs> I don't even know what I the- weigh. They like ask yes. you and you're like, I don't know. Exactly. And I remember going into my prenatal care and, you know, you have multiple appointments and the first thing they want to do is weigh you. Um, I remember disclosing my eating disorder history to my OBGYN and mm-hmm. I, my weight still came up in conversations. I mean, it was a really tricky time to navigate just because of how things are currently set up. And, you know, in regards to your question, I think first it's just important to understand and and just be aware of the prominence of diet culture, particularly during pregnancy and postpartum. And I think having that awareness can give you a sense of proactiveness about your own care Um, and knowing that you might need to become your own best advocate because sadly, again, there is still such a lack of awareness, even amongst practitioners. I'm really sad to say, but, you know, a lot of practitioners don't necessarily know what to do about eating disorders in pregnancy. Um, The other thing is that there's no active screening for it. So as, as I'm sure you know, that there is currently like mandated screening for gestational diabetes, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is a test that all women have to have, but only about six to 9% of women are are actually will experience gestational diabetes. And what's crazy to me is that almost 8% of women, uh, research has shown almost 8% of women have or, or meet diagnosable criteria for an eating disorder during pregnancy. Um, but there is no screening for eating disorders yeah. in prenatal care. I mean, it, not, if, yeah, none. <laughs> none. If I was going to say, if you do happen to have that, like, that is extremely rare. Like there's yeah. not like, like with gestational diabetes, there's like a, a, a particular test that they're doing. Um, and you know, there's nothing for, for women who are dealing with eating disorders. And so mm-hmm. you really have to learn how to become your own best advocate. You, you know, being willing to share with your provider, like what you've gone through or what you're currently facing or what you might need in order to sustain your recovery during your pregnancy. And that might look like having blind weights and asking for blind weights or letting your physician know that, or your midwife that you just would rather not discuss weight in your sessions or your appointments. Um, And, you know, I, I think that is, is certainly going to help like create some buffer for the different conversations and things that might inevitably come up during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also important to just be aware of other things that may surface in your pregnancy that could potentially be triggering. And you had mentioned a couple things like first trimester, you know, if you're having severe morning sickness or yeah. food, you know, food might not feel appealing or the things that you used to feel comfortable eating 
now like you can't stand or yeah, you know yeah. oh, your appetite might increase and that that changes in your body might feel triggering yeah um, and also just the changes in our bodies you know i think again there's so much um prominence of diet culture in women's bodies during pregnancy and yeah, it's it just, insane. It makes me so upset. <laughs> like, I, I just am laughing because like, so I'm 15 weeks pregnant now and mm -hmm. like have experienced all of the things you just said already. Yeah. Uh, like my husband, you know, was trying to search like good snacks for pregnancy, just snacks, not like, not any particular, you know, kind of trying to be healthy, but just like, I wasn't eating enough. I, I didn't want anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like trying to think of ideas and every article that pops up is like healthy snacks during pregnancy. Like try not to gain too much weight, like eat uh, this. And it was like, he's like, no, like, I don't care if it's chocolate. I just want her to eat. <laughs> like, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that is and, such a, uh, a concern that women are dealing with. Yeah. Right? And I mean, so, and in terms of advocating for yourself, just to put it out there to the listeners, I mean, I'm lucky that I, you know, have, this is the field I work in. I'm, you know, good at advocating in this area, but you, you can find doctors who are, you know, at least willing or knowledgeable in, in this area too. And I yes. you know, said to my doctor, my first appointment, you know, I have a history of bulimia. Um, I'm very concerned about morning sickness and I just want you to know, like, I'm, I don't want to talk about the actual number of my weight, like feel free to tell me it's going up, down, needs to go wherever, but don't tell me the number. Mm. Um, and he's been so wonderful with that. Mm. So, so there is hope everyone. Yes. Find I'm, someone. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad that you said that too, because I think it's important to understand that if you're not clicking with your provider or if you feel like your find provider is yeah. Yeah, not supportive of what you're needing, you can find somebody different, you know, like, um, that is part of the advocacy work that you might have to do for yourself is find someone who's going to help protect your recovery because that is going to be so essential for you and for your baby and for getting through pregnancy in a sense where you are thriving. Mm -hmm. So do you often see women relapsing during pregnancy um, or do you, like, what do you see women who've had a history of an eating disorder experiencing? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I see... I see a lot of different things. I do see for a lot of women that it can be triggering and it can bring up some old eating disorder behaviors, certainly. Mm -hmm. I also see for other women that it can be a really motivating time just yeah. to take care of their bodies. And, you know, now that they feel like, okay, it's not just me, like there's a, another human that I'm growing and taking care of and that is mm -hmm. dependent on my body. I also see that it can be a motivator, right? Where um, women are now feeling more encouraged to stay on top of their recovery or continue being proactive about doing things that help support their recovery um, because, you know, it's, it's kind of working differently in their brain. It's not to say that women who are struggling are not motivated to care for their baby. That's not right. what I'm saying. It's just that it hits every woman differently. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. I think, I think one important thing too, as we're talking about this, is just to give yourself space for acknowledging how difficult this is. You know, I think even for women who haven't had a history of an eating disorder, pregnancy can become triggering because yeah. there's so many changes. There's so many things happening. Everything that you once knew about your body, 
about your life is like, <laughs> like completely flipping upside down. And so I think it's just important to come at yourself from a place of compassion mm-hmm. and, and recognize like, okay, this is going to be challenging in different ways. Um, and you're not a failure if it is triggering for you, you know, like I, I just want to put that message out there that yeah. Thank it's important you. to acknowledge, yeah, that this, this is a hard time and it's, it's a joyous time. It's a, a very beautiful and exciting time, but I think it's, it's okay it's to recognize hard. that it can yeah. be multiple things at once. <laughs> right? Yeah. My mom always describes it as, and I think this is so funny. She describes it as like going through puberty all over again, but yes. alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And I I yes. just like really resonated with that. I was like, yeah, literally everything from puberty is coming back. Like that's when most people's eating disorders start. Yeah. Um, and instead of all of my classmates also going through it, like it's just me. Yes. Um that is such a good point that yeah. you know, adolescence can be triggering for so many reasons because your body's changing and all these things that are happening to you that you feel like you have no control over and pregnancy and postpartum is a lot like that. Um, but I think it's also important to recognize that you don't have to do it alone. You know, that yeah. it's hard because it feels like there's not enough support and resources, but there really are people who can help you navigate this journey. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most common myths you hear about pregnancy and nutrition specifically during pregnancy And how do you think they can be harmful to women? Oh, such a good question. (laughs) Um, I think first, there's just a lot of myths around what you need to eat um, (laughs) in order to have a healthy pregnancy. And this is such a damaging message to so many women. I mean, even women like who, again, don't necessarily have that eating disorder past, if it creates this unrealistic expectation of what you need to be doing and, you know, saying like, okay, you really need to be eating all your fruits and vegetables and making sure you're getting all your omega threes. And I, I think in theory, those things are, it are nice. Yeah. But it is so stressful if you're like, okay, I can't even look at a vegetable without <laughs> wanting to hurl, you know, <laughs> or know. whatever it might be. Like, I think a lot of the expectations that are drawn for, pregnant women just aren't realistic. And that gap between what, what you might be able to realistically do and what you feel like you should be doing are so drastic that it might feel like you're failing. It might feel like you're not doing good enough. I mean, I've heard from so many women who are just like anxious that, you know, all they can eat is saltines and, um, sour gummy bears. And it's like, like, there's no way, like my baby's going to be healthy. And I think it's important to recognize that your body knows what it's doing. You know, like you can trust your body even through pregnancy. And I say, especially during pregnancy, like your body knows what it's doing, even though it might feel foreign and uncomfortable uh, and unknown, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Um, But, you know, I just think it's really important to kind of crush that myth that, you know, you have to be doing X, Y, and Z with your food in order to be having a healthy baby. And I think, you know, just recognizing you can do the best that you can um, mm-hmm. and that that's going to be good enough, you know? And everyone um, seems to have, you know, their own like thing that they want to tell you when you're pregnant and, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know better than you. That's uh, right. At least that's what I, you know, try to try to tell myself too. It's just like, you know, they're just, they're making their own comment and, <laughs> and they're, they're not in this body. Like they don't know what's uh, going on. 
Um, That's exactly right. Like nobody's living in your body except for you, right? Yeah, and, it's and, a lot like, and the baby at this point, but yeah. Yes. And it's a lot like intuitive eating, you know, if, if you've reached that point in your eating disorder journey where you've learned to eat more intuitively, right? Like, you know, it's the same thing where it's becoming the best expert of your own body. And that sometimes requires tuning out all the outside noise so that you can really listen and honor what your body is needing. Yeah. Um, another, another area that I see moms struggling with during pregnancy is around the weight guidelines. Mm. Um, so and, like, so strict. Uh, it's, it's awful. I mean, unfortunately I've seen this become a huge trigger for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to understand that those, those pregnancy weight guidelines that are currently being used in the prenatal care system are pretty outdated. And, you know, it might be a helpful reference point um, for your doctor to kind of see how things are going, but that is not a one size fits all approach. And I think that's what, I think that's another myth that's important to break down for women is that your body might need to gain more than the weight guidelines that are recommended. Um, And every woman is ultimately going to be different. And, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, if a physician says like, okay, well, you're getting a little too close. Like, I don't want to see you gain, you know, this much weight until whatever. That is very unrealistic because a lot of women, I mean, we don't have control over what our weight is going to do in pregnancy. And I think that is the myth that a lot of women are struggling with too, thinking that they can somehow control their weight or how their body gains weight. Um, but that is, yeah, again, that's yeah. not a piece in our, our control. And I think that that belief can become very problematic um, in terms of allowing your body to do what it needs to do to grow your baby. I'm so glad you said that because so I just had an appointment, as I told you at the, mm-hmm. at the beginning, and I'm, I feel like I'm eating so much, like I eat all the time, you know, and yeah. <laughs> just always hungry mm-hmm. and I'm not gaining any weight. And the doctor is like, you know, concerned about it. And it feels like here I am again in eating disorder treatment where they're like, you haven't gained weight. And you're like looking at your meal plan, like how, like mm-hmm. I'm eating so much. Um, so it, it is, it is challenging in terms of, you know, there's a set of guidelines that are out there that are very mm-hmm. strict week to week. And it's like, well, if I gain it in two more weeks, is that fine? Does it have to be on this particular week? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's such a great point is that I think the way that the weight guidelines are presented is like very textbook, right? Like mm-hmm. you should gain this much in this week and this much in this week. And it doesn't work like that. Like, yeah. like you were saying in your case, you know, you're doing the best that you can and that's going to look different for you, just like it would look different for other women. And ultimately, like your body is going to do what it needs to do over the course of your pregnancy. And just because it doesn't fall into the rigid guidelines that are, are currently available for us, doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your body. You know, like you're, you're doing the best that you can. And so I think that that's a really important thing to continue challenging. Yeah. And I kind of think about it in the sense of like BMI, like we've yes. on this podcast many times talked about how BMI doesn't make any sense. Like yes. who drew the arbitrary line at 25? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
And the same has got to be true with who said that you have to gain 25 pounds or 35 pounds. Like maybe you need 40 pounds or maybe you need 19. Like who knows? Exactly. And you know, what's funny. I'm glad you said that is that the, the pregnancy weight guidelines are actually based on your pre-pregnancy BMI. Yeah. So (laughs) So if that tells you anything, (laughs) yeah, you can, let's just throw those out the window. And again, this is where I think when it comes to your prenatal care, um, I mean, uh, some, some practitioners, um, won't weigh you at all. And I just think it's important to remember that there are other ways that your doctor can, or your, your, your midwife or whoever you're seeing can monitor and assess your baby's growth, you know, how things are going for your pregnancy outside of weight alone. Like there's multiple other ways to assess that. And so if that is something that you just proactively are trying to, you know, maybe put out of the picture because you know that might be triggering, you know, definitely have that conversation with your practitioner and remember that there are other ways that you can be supported through your Mm -hmm. pregnancy. So what stigmas do you think make recovering or working through mental illnesses and eating disorders during pregnancy more challenging for women? Oh yeah, this is, this is a big one. I mean, I think first there is kind of, and and you mentioned this a little bit at the onset of the conversation, how the stigma of eating disorders is something that happens in adolescents or teens, but we don't, Mm -hmm we don't talk about how sometimes those women um, were teens that now are older and (laughs) grew up. up, Yeah. And are still maybe dealing with some of those issues. Um, And I think that is certainly a stigma around eating disorders. And I think for a lot of women who are struggling because the stigma is so so strong. I think it can really be hard to talk about it openly. I think particularly in motherhood, there's a fear of, you know, what will this tell about me as a mother if Mm -hmm. I admit that I'm struggling with mental illness? Yeah. And that can make it so hard to get help. And this is especially true with postpartum, you know, anxiety or postpartum depression where there's this idea that like, once you have your baby, you just fall in love and you know, supposed it's, to be perfect. Yeah. Yes, like you, it's just like this magical experience. And again, like it is a very like joyful, beautiful time, but it can also be a very dark and um, difficult time if you're dealing with mental illness. And I think just that, that discrepancy of what we think it should be like versus what it might actually be like makes it hard to admit or talk about what you're dealing with. I think mm-hmm. there's fear of like, what will other people think about the type of mother I am? You know, yeah. if, if I share that I'm having trouble connecting with my kids, I know that's something I struggled with. I mean, yeah. I struggled with postpartum depression for almost four years before I was able to get help. That was through three pregnancies. And oh my gosh. I was like, okay, something is wrong. Um, and it, it's just sad for me that I had to struggle through that so silently. And, you know, remembering that shame grows in silence, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's so much shame that we hold around mental illness because of the stigma. And I think remembering that this is, you know, it's not a fault of yours. If you're dealing with this, if you're going through this, um, there's so many factors that can work together to trigger mental illness. 
um, during pregnancy and postpartum. And a lot of those things are not even in your control, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just want mothers to hear that they're not a bad mom for dealing with mental <laughs> illness. They, they are human, yeah. whether it's an eating disorder or postpartum depression or anything, you deserve <laughs> help and, and support through that time. I think that's a really good good way to explain it too, because I, so I obviously have interviewed a lot of people and I've had several women who said, oh, once I became pregnant, that's when my eating disorder stopped. Mm. And I, you know, had at least, at least two or three women, you know, on the podcast say that. Um, and so I always had this impression, I think a lot of my listeners have that I've gotten emails from, you know, this idea that, oh, once I get pregnant, I'll have this great love for my baby and my body and suddenly everything will be perfect. Mm. And I think, you know, that is apparently true for some women. And that's wonderful that that allows them to have more respect for their hunger cues and, and everything. But for me, like who was pretty much hundred percent recovered, um, going into pregnancy, that, that is not how it went. It was like all of the old behaviors came back. And I was like shocked and thinking sort of how you just said, am I a bad mom? Cause I'm not like prioritizing, you know, the baby um, right now. And like, they're not even born yet. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah, it can be, I think for, for me, for at least, you know, many women who I've gotten emails from, it is really hard to hear only those stories where it was a good thing. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I do think that this is a, a huge problem for a lot of women in that they automatically are feeling shame coming out of the gate <laughs> because they're like, yeah. okay, well, this is not my experience, you know? Right. Um, and I think it's also important to remember that it, uh, there may be simultaneously simultaneous things happening for you at the same time. For example, like you might feel a lot of appreciation for your body that's creating this new human. Right. Yeah. It's um, pretty impressive. But. Yes, it totally is. And you might simultaneously resent your body for right. changing in ways that you couldn't have imagined. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that those things can coexist together and it mm -hmm. doesn't make you a bad mom for feeling that way. You know, and this is kind of a reoccurring theme that I've found in motherhood, you know, raising five children myself is that that's, that's like the epitome of motherhood. It's like, <laughs> I love my children to death, but I am like, I need a break from motherhood sometimes because yeah. it's hard, you know, yeah. and I think um, the eating disorder way of thinking is very black and white, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that tends to be something that carries on. <laughs> Um, and I think as much as you can to try to challenge that mentality in order to create space for your own experience, whatever that might be like. Right. Definitely. And yeah. And I just think it's important to remember you can be happy and love your kid and not, and not like always do everything perfectly for oh, them. Oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I use that as an example for how we feel about our bodies too, you know, like <laughs> Um, you, again, I might be grateful for, for the body that brought you your children while also might not feel very comfortable with how your body has changed. Um, and I, again, this is where I think it's important to acknowledge that you don't have to make decisions for yourself solely based on how you're feeling because you mm -hmm. might be experiencing an array of emotions, right? Um, create space for what you're feeling and also continue to make choices that are keeping you moving forward in your recovery 
um, you know, and caring for yourself, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And so when you work with women, um, you know, whether they're pregnant or postpartum, what are some of the key things that you discuss with them or want them to take away when it comes to their relationship with food and their body? Yes. Great question. And it really can depend on, you know, the woman that I'm working with and where she's at in her recovery. But one thing I definitely want moms to understand is that, you know, especially in eating disorder recovery is that you are still the best expert of your body. I know it doesn't feel that way when it's like, it feels like something's kind of hijacked (laughs) your body and it feels like you don't have control over a lot of things. Um, But your body can still be trusted to carry you through pregnancy, through postpartum, through growing a baby and feeding a baby and birthing a baby. It's our, our bodies really do hold that innate wisdom to carry us through these different seasons and changes. And I think sometimes that trust in our body can be really shaken when we start experiencing things that feel different for us or foreign to us. It's like, well, I've never navigated this before, so I'm not sure if I can really trust my body to do this. Um, And I just really want to encourage, you know, any listeners who are going through this season in their lives to know and understand that you can absolutely trust your body. And I think forming that alliance with your body during this time can really help support the best outcomes for yourself, for your baby, uh, for your family. And also knowing that you just don't have to do this alone. I know that it can feel very overwhelming when you're in it. And, you know, there's things that you're going through that you've never experienced before. And it's okay to not feel like you have all the answers. Um, And it's okay to ask for help and, you know, have support in whatever capacity that is most meaningful to you. You know, maybe it's Mm -hmm. reconnecting with a a therapist or a counselor during your pregnancy, just proactively to help yourself kind of navigate the new changes that are, you're going through, um, or, you know, connecting with a support group or whatever that might look like, like asking for help is one of the bravest things that you can do, not just for yourself, but for your baby and for your family. And I just, you know, want to encourage moms in that sense that that is something that you deserve and that you're worthy of, right? Like you don't have to be, I think there's this misconception that, um, and certainly with eating disorders, right? That you have to meet a certain criteria in order to qualify for help. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So frustrating. So frustrating. Right. And I think a lot of women might feel like that in pregnancy, especially because there's such a comparison in the social media vortex that we live in. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, well, or even I, just friends, like you hear yes. like, oh, like my sister-in-law, for instance, had like what I thought was the most horrific morning sickness ever. So to me, like anything is better than that. So I'm like, yes. oh, I don't need help. I don't need help because right. it was worse. Exactly. And I think sometimes we compare our situation to other people's, um, but recognizing that you, you know, there is no criteria for asking for help mm-hmm. and that it makes sense that you're going through a season of life where there are a lot of changes and having extra support is so important and essential to really being able to thrive in this season. Um, And I mean, there's a reason that they say it takes a village, right? To raise a baby, but I would take it one step further and say it really takes a village to, you know, support a mother, to Mm -hmm. allow a mother to go through this season 
um, in a way where she feels supported and not isolated and alone. Yeah. Well, Crystal, I have had so much fun having you on the show. Um, I think that, yeah, our listeners will really enjoy this episode. Um, So thank you. Where can my listeners find you if they're interested? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. So I blog regularly uh, on on my website, which is crystalcargus.com. And I have several posts on there about pregnancy and postpartum and navigating these seasons uh, during eating disorder recovery. And I also am on Instagram at crystalcargus, where I share some kind of behind the scenes of my own family life. Um, and then I also do lead a free support group for moms in eating disorder recovery. So if any of your listeners uh, could use that extra support system, it's a totally free group. We meet virtually once a month, and it's a great community of women who are just really open and honest, and it's a safe space to kind of process some of the things that might be coming up during motherhood while in eating disorder recovery. Awesome. That's great. And so I have a question I ask all of my listeners, uh, well, not listeners, people on the show, <laughs> yes. because my listeners like it. <laughs> so I want to ask you, what's your favorite food? Oh man, this is such a good question. <laughs> it's so hard to narrow it down, but I always yeah. say that my favorite food groups are cheese and chocolate. Oh, those are good. Yeah. And I know that that's not necessarily um, a food group, but... <laughs> I love okay, like Buddy a, the Elf had like syrup, right? So yeah. I think cheese is, is fine. I love like a good cheese board with like yummy cheeses and crackers and and like the the little jams you could spread mm. on your and yeah. you know fruit and olives. Like for me, it feels super fancy because I don't get a lot of fancy right now in this season yeah. of motherhood that I'm in. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoy, I, I enjoy that as like a really good appetizer. That's awesome. Some, some good chocolate dessert after whatever meal. We're sure, having. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be like somewhat lactose intolerant and oh. like a long time. And now that I'm pregnant, I'm not at all, which is fabulous. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I have been eating a lot of cheese and I really appreciate it. Nice. I bet you've been loving that. Yeah. It's so great. Um, But thank you so much, Crystal, and hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Yes, thank you so much, Julia. Yeah, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, too. Well, if you made it this far, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to my ramblings at the beginning. Thank you for listening to this amazing episode and interview. And thank you for taking the time right now to leave me a rating or review or share this episode with a friend. Have a wonderful week.